Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Empire of the Cop podcast. I'm your host, Farrell Keeling, and with me here today, I've got Flash Score editor Steve Carson back for another trip here. And of course, fellow Empire man, Liam Toher, here to discuss the biggest transfer dilemma Liverpool have faced really in years, to be honest. You know, we're fully aware, aren't we, lads, of the Fabinho and Henderson situation. Our only senior holding midfielder in Fabinho is set to depart the club to Al Itahad. It looks like they're just ironing out the final details out of a £40 million move to the Saudi Pro League. Jordan Henderson, the skipper, might follow in his footsteps to El Al-Etifahi. Um, it's not really as much of a sure thing right now, um, as we're recording as of right now on Wednesday afternoon. Um, so how much money Liverpool really have to spend this window, or how much the remaining budget will be boosted, uh, does remain to be seen. I, I think, and feel free to challenge me on this, of course, but I think I'd assume you know we had enough for a fourth, fifth choice centre half, which would work out maybe ten to twenty million pounds. Um, maybe another midfielder. You know, we're thinking Lavia, but you know, maybe not being able to stump up the extra fifty million, so maybe more of the forty million pound mark. Um, that was at the time, of course, when we thought we'd be keeping Fabinho and Henderson. Um, but now we've got Fabinho money potentially coming in, which is an extra forty million, maybe another ten, twenty million for Jordan Henderson, uh, which in my mind probably adds up to around. Roughly 120 million pounds. Um, it's a lot, a lot of quick mental maths there. <laughs> um, but yes, I mean, it remains to be seen whether Henderson will go. The crucial thing here is that he has travelled uh, with Jurgen Klopp and the squad uh, for the pre-season training camp in Germany. Um, there's been no progress since on that front since they put their foot down over demanding a fee. Uh, David Lynch, I believe, reports that. It's a possibility that then El Etifahi might look to reduce the players' wages potentially in Saudi Arabia to help facilitate the funds needed to purchase him from Liverpool, but we're not quite sure. But, you know, before we decide on how we're going to spend our money, I just thought we'd take a brief look at sort of the options that are here before us. Um, I've, I've got a few here in mind. I mean, ideally, maybe perhaps buying one really good sort of stellar midfielder and another sort of cheaper midfielder, but then... I imagine there'd be concerns then about where that leaves us in terms of the centre-half options, Steve. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it is one of them where you almost do have to pick and choose what battles we, you know, try and sort out in, in the window. But I think one thing is that I, I don't believe that both players are going to leave Liverpool this summer. Uh, I just think it's too much of a risk. Uh, I think... You know, getting rid of one senior player is one thing, especially like, you know, Henderson was, was reportedly offered a, a ridiculous amount of money. You can kind of see why his head it can be turned in such a way. Um, Fabinho as well. I mean, you know, the difference there is that a fee can be provided. So the club is probably a lot more willing to allow Fabinho to move on. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed myself. I did think that maybe something could be salvaged from Fabinho because, you know, that that player that he was a couple of years ago is definitely still in there. But obviously, uh, the clock is on Fabinho. Uh, he's soon going to be on the um, right on the edge of 30. So maybe it is one of those where you do look to get, you know, a bit of stupid money for him and just move on because it's not a great deal off what we actually paid for him when he was, you know, about to enter his prime. So it could make sense for us. Um, yeah, in, in terms of what the club needs, I think there is, you know, other areas of the pitch that need reinforcements. But before we even talked about Fabinho and Henderson leaving the club, we needed midfielders. We needed about three. We've signed two very good midfielders. 
Um, if either Fabinho or Henderson do leave, and it does, as you said, final, it does look like Fabinho is halfway out the door. Um, we're going to have to prioritise midfield. Uh, we at least need another one, if if not two, as you suggested before. I've got a couple of names here myself, uh, who I think they could be, but I will leave that for the time being. Um, but yeah, I mean, midfield is the biggest battle that we need to sort out in this window. We've already got two fantastic additions, uh, but that holding midfield slot, especially if Fabinho walks out the door, that needs to be filled by somebody and somebody very good. I have to say, I'm eagerly awaiting to hear who those two names are exactly, and I promise we will dive into the names very, very soon. I've come prepared, my friend, for this situation. Um, firstly, and very briefly, Liam, I, I just want to touch on the prospect of, do Liverpool even need a direct, like-for-like replacement for Fabinho? That sounds an insane question, given the way Liverpool have played over the last sort of five or so years. I ask that, though, because uh, you know, we're seeing with the new Bok formation, I just wonder whether that presents an opportunity to do something different. And I ask this as well because you've got a situation where you, you're almost effectively playing with a double pivot when you're in possession and Trent moves into midfield. And I don't know whether, of course, there's a possibility, it's been debated, whether Liverpool might consider pushing Trent Alexander-Arnold into midfield on a more permanent basis. I, I'm not so sure they will. But it's a possibility. It's been discussed. We might see more of this in pre-season. We don't yet know. We, of course, play Karlsruher uh, today on Wednesday, as of the time of recording, uh, which does raise then issues potentially even beyond that. Of, well, then Liverpool need to buy a right a right, a right back if you then go ahead and do that. I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on the matter? Um, I think it's one of those where it will be in Klopp's best interest to be prepared for all eventualities and to allow for as much ta- tactical flexibility as possible, particularly in a season which could present some different challenges with Europa League, squad rotation and that. Um, I do take your point about uh, maybe if there isn't as, some would argue, isn't as pressing a need for a defensive midfielder as what the general vibe seems to be. But um, you know, as you say, look with the box formation with Trent possibly going in there, um, by Sanchez will be coming back from injury too. And if he can pick up where he left off, he could be a viable option. But on the flip side of that, I think it would be um, foolhardy in the extreme if we if we were to sell Fabinho and not get anybody in between now and if not the start of the season, and certainly by the end of August, who, who can be that more experienced cover that sort of at his um, renowned for as as being at the base of, of midfield. Um, you know, personally, I, I think it would be very foolish if if, if we're going to in the transfer window by selling Fabinho and not getting at least one experienced battle-hardened operator who can cover that number six role. I think you've already hit the sort of the crux of the argument, really, and, and sort of the difficulty facing Liverpool sort of moving forward, which is, do they, you know, do they look to prioritise experience in this? Because you know it will have plenty of impact on the kind of price tag of midfielder you're looking at, um, how you're looking to sort of develop the midfield sort of moving forward. I suppose it would have its advantages certainly if you aim for a more order operator of a similar age to Fabinho, then you're potentially protecting the development of a 19-year-old Stefan Bashetic. Um, but then equally, I'm sure plenty would go, well, hang on, you're missing out potentially on a possibly generational talent in Romeo Lavia. Um, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of other names that everyone else will want, will want to champion, which is, let's just go straight into it then, gentlemen. Um, I think maybe 
let, less of likely of the two to depart Liverpool this summer. But I'm going to kick things off with Jordan Henderson because I think obviously plenty of attention has rightly been on the six role. We, you know, we don't have a specialist in the squad. You've got just Tyler Morton, Stefan Bashetic there, 19 and 20 years of age, I believe, uh, respectively, um, which really isn't enough to go ahead and sort of take on the challenges of a, a league season plus Europa League and domestic cups. Um, but I feel almost that we've not really seen a lot of discussion on who might come in to replace Jordan Henderson. Um, I figure a lot of discussion will revolve around someone almost you can be versatile, fulfil more than you know more than just the eight, also the six, hopefully. Um, whereas a sort of a defensive midfielder, everyone seems to be thinking about more maybe a specialist. Um, well, we've seen Ryan Gravenberch obviously take a lot of the spotlight here. Uh, six foot three, 21 years of age. Um, over 90 games in first tier football, mostly played as a central midfielder, though he has played a few as a holding midfielder, uh, mainly coming at Ajax, uh, I believe. Stands out shock rating actions, um, ranking in the 93rd percentile. Seems though, I think in my mind, Steve, like the kind of signing we make if we don't sign Dominic Zobersly. Um I'm I'd argue perhaps not one we go for now. I think we'd sooner sign someone perhaps like Manu Kone of Gladbach. Yeah, yeah, I do think that it is a slight change of tact. And, you know, replacing Jordan Henderson, the player, is quite different to replacing Jordan Henderson, the leader. Uh, Thankfully, you know, there is a hierarchy behind the scenes uh, and it's not a case of, like, cutting the head off a beast. Um, You know, there there are other people in the squad who will just take up that leading role. Uh, replacing Jordan Henderson, the player, I think you probably could perhaps, you know, bring in someone like you've mentioned there, Lavia. Um, obviously, very young, raw talent. You know, it's he's, he's sort of like you say, potentially generational, and that could be a, a situation that he thrives in. It is a bit of a big risk because Southampton do want a lot of money for him, but it is one of those uh, risks that you know the big teams do take um now i know that liverpool aren't as free spending as some other teams so we do need to be a little bit more conservative in some ways with our money like that so that's probably not as realistic um you did mention gravenberch there i think i think he's still actually a, a great shout he is more of a McAllister, a, a shabosh like kind of player uh, but he does have that sort of defensive acumen that you need to be Basically, Jordan Henderson for Liverpool. I think he'd be a great shout. Another one as well. I'm sure we'll get into more names as time goes on. Um, but I've seen it come up a few times now. And it's uh, Palinha from Fulham. He, he's not the most obvious choice. And I feel like we could get him on a relatively good deal. Uh, you know, he's, 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 I think he's 28. Premier League proven, decent player. You know, he could be, he could be an option for us there. So, yeah, I mean, replacing Jordan Henderson... You are really sort of more concerned about the leadership role and who takes on the armband, and then you know who can be that big shouty Jamie Carragher character in the middle of the park. Which I'm sure there's a few on the pitch. I would like to see a bit more of that from maybe Trent, um, but you know Van Dyke and Robbo do seem to be two two of the more vocal people, and they will need to step it up a little bit in lieu of you know potentially losing the captain this summer. No, it, it's interesting making that distinction between the personality and sort of the footballing ability. I think Liverpool, I'm, I completely agree. I think Liverpool will have a far easier time replacing the player, but it's everything else he does off the pitch. You know, his entire personality, all the superb charitable work he does. You know, I think, you know, 
plenty will sort of say, well, that doesn't maybe matter as much as Sofa's leadership, but it does matter because I think it's the persona around him. You know, it, it's the kind of leader you do want to follow. And Jordan Henderson is a leader, not just on the pitch, he's a leader off the pitch too. And that, that matters. There's, there is a sense of persona there that we do have to pay tribute to. Um, Liam, I'm going to come to you. I will continue on uh, <laughs> talking about Manu Kone very briefly. Um, it, it's reported, um, Bill's Toby Alchef discussed this with Empire of the Cop a few weeks ago, um, that Manu Kone's price tag probably wouldn't be much more than £34 million, maybe less if Liverpool negotiate right. Uh, his contract obviously runs out in 2025. He's made 37 appearances as a central midfielder, 22 as a holding midfielder uh, when he joined Gladbach. So there's a nice bit of balance there forming already. He's not just a one-trick pony. He's played in double pivot um, for quite a bit of last season alongside Julian Weigel last term. Uh, strong dribbler, good at tackling, strong at reading the game You know, defensively, tends to play on the left-hand side in the middle pivot, which you know maybe accommodates Trent if you're thinking that he's going to come and join the midfield from the right-hand side. Um Again, backed up in stats, 96% are for successful take-ons, 75% are for tackles, 80% are for blocks, uh, only 56 uh, for interceptions, something to work on uh, there. Um, I mean, firstly, do you reckon those sort of qualities maybe fit fit out replacing Jordan Henderson, the player, not the personality? And do you have a particular name yourself that you would think, you know, this is exactly the kind of person that Liverpool should be looking for to take them into the next era under Jurgen Klopp? Um, yeah, just taking Mero Kone first, as you say, it seems like a reasonable price tag. You know, He has some high-level experience in the Bundesliga and, as you rightly point out, his dribbling stats in particular, Marco Mouda is only the best in Europe in that category and, as you say, quite strong in the, in the tackle too. Um, he is someone that Jörg Schmadke has wanted for quite a long time it seems and I suppose with the connection with Munching Lovak as well with Schmeichel's son Neil's been a director there that could possibly pave the way for that being a viable deal to be done just a couple of concerns that I would have about Manu Kone though is one is that he has been has a reputation for being quite injury prone he's had a, quite a few niggles from his time in Germany and you know, as Liverpool fans will know with, with Navi Keita I saw again this week at Ferder Bremen you know, that could be a, a serious red flag against somebody. And just for my own research as well, I've seen that Kone has, you know, can be quite indisciplined. I think he's 22 yellow cards in the, the, over the last two Bundesliga seasons. So again, that could be something which maybe is a bit of a concern to Klopp. Um, but overall, though, he does, yeah, it does seem um, you know, a decent pair to target. If we're looking at maybe alternatives, um, one name that I've seen cropping up cropping up a few times intermittently is Tony Coop Miners of Atlanta. Um, 25 years old, so again, like not a not a completely green when it comes to playing at a high level, um, but also still young enough that he still has the bulk of his career ahead of him and should be coming to his peak around now. Um, it can play in quite a few different roles. You know, you have to play as a number six or, or as, as a number eight, sometimes even maybe a little bit further back. Um, plays, in, plays in the front foot. Um, he's actually quite prolific. Um, he got 10 goals last season in Serie A. And I think only one if only one of those, if even one, was a penalty. So he isn't just a set like a, a stat pattern or set pieces. Joe, he can be that um, prolific presence as well from the middle of the park. And... I've seen feeds of about 30, 35 million being quoted for him too. So again, something that was in this price range. Um, so I think he's 
definitely could be a viable contender if Henderson goes in the, in the near future. I've actually got Clint Miners in, in my list. Actually, I'm glad you brought him up. 25 years of age. He's, he's in my uh, ticks both boxes uh, list. Can play the holding midfield role, but maybe more primarily sort of creatively and offensively focused. Um, as you've rightly sort of pointed out, he certainly strikes me as more offensive. You know, registers highly for passes and crosses into the opposition box. And as you right mentioned, you know, a wicked sort of long shot as well. Um, so, yeah, I think far from being a specialist in the way Fabinho was, but if you are looking potentially are looking for that kind of player who can tick both boxes, um, he wouldn't be a bad shout. And, you know, as you've reported, I think um, quite cheaply available too, potentially. So an option worth... Uh, considering. Um, I should add also, gentlemen, that uh, we just had an update come here through from Fabrizio Romano, an exclusive update from Fabrizio Romano, who's reported that Jordan Henderson will not be in Liverpool's squad for their first pre-season friendly coming up this evening against Karl, Karlsruhe um, in Germany. It's understood that Henderson didn't travel to the game with the team, despite being with them in the camp, as talks between Liverpool and Al Etifahi continue. Uh, so it seems to have escalated a step beyond what we were initially discussing, gents. So I think it'd be, it'd be interesting to see this, actually, because I think I, I do wonder to a certain degree whether Liverpool's job, Liverpool's recruitment job, might be easier or harder knowing that you've gone, right, the two seniors have gone. Now we've got a bit of flexibility in terms of what you can, how you constructed the midfield sort of going forward. I, I, I don't know, Steve, if you were in that sort of position, would you feel that the, the task is almost... Simpler in the sense of you're not thinking, right, how do we structure midfield, bearing in mind we have X players still in the squad? Or does Henderson's experience and his, you know, his profile, persona, everything he adds just beyond his football and the pitch almost make up for that? Yeah, it's a, it's an it's incredibly difficult one, and that that update from uh, Fabrizio Romano has uh, has has surprised me, um, especially with Henderson going to the effort of travelling with the squad. But I mean, I suppose he, he would uh, first and foremost he is the captain, regardless of what happens behind the scenes. Personally, um, so that that is a bit of a shame. Um, yeah, I think you know um, lo- lo- losing the pair of them. Um, Henderson and Fabinho it is a bit of a daunting uh, thought, like like you say there. It's a bit of a tall order for whoever has to replace them. But that that is that is that benefit I do suppose, like you say, of, of it is like sort of you just you've rooted out the you know quote unquote problem because obviously the midfield was the problem. But you know typically Liverpool work through problems as opposed to getting rid and bringing in a new midfield. But that is, is seemingly what's what what might be happening based on what Fabrizio said there and you know other rumours relating to Fabinho. Um, so I, th- I think there would be a sense of, you know, opportunity for every player in the squad to establish themselves because for the longest time now, Fabinho and Henderson have pretty much been nailed on. Um, you've still got Thiago lingering around as well, of course. Um, but with his injury record, I don't think anybody's going to be particularly worried that he's going to cement down a 30 starter season. Uh, for the coming year, although he is a phenomenal footballer, don't take that away from him. Um, but it will give players like Soboslai, McAllister, whoever's going to come in for midfield, because if we get rid of both of those players, we are definitely bringing in one or two more midfielders, no doubt. Um, but then it, it gives the likes of Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones and Bajetic as well a bit more of impetus to go forward and keep keep doing what they're doing. Because I, I was going to say grab it by the scruff of the neck, but they are already doing that. They're three very impressive young footballers. Um, but, you know, 
with the idea of, of who goes out the door um, being Henderson and Fabinho, uh, possibly, you know, that, it, that we will need another big name to come in, probably on the level of Sabosley and, and McAllister, and that, that's the likes of Gavin Birch and um, Florentino Luis as well. Um, another phenomenal footballer could, could do that lighthouse role that Fabinho has played for Liverpool. You know, we are going to need some big names to, to replace the um, the outgoing big names, um, potentially, you know, based on based on what the rumours are saying. Nothing's, nothing's done until the player's in the shirt, of course. But, you know, yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's a shocking news there, to be fair, from, from, from Fabrizio. I, th- I thought it might have been dead and buried, to be honest. Uh, the Henderson stuff um, with... Um, Arletti Fak coming out and basically saying that they're not going to offer money for Henderson. I thought that would kill it dead, but yeah, no, that, that's a bit of a surprise and, you know, it's it's going to shake the team up, but, you know, maybe, as you say, Farrell, that's, that's what we might need. It, it seems a bit mad to say it, but you, you're almost at the point where, well, you've lost such a huge player in Fabinho. What's, <laughs> what, what's another sort of, you know, major sort of shake-up? There, this, this this ultimately is sort of a new Liverpool era. There's that picture that's sort of making the rounds, isn't there, of um, the team that lifted the, the Champions League trophy um, under, under Jurgen Klopp, and I think only what two or three remain from that. <laughs> something, something absolutely shocking. It doesn't it doesn't feel it feels like there should be more, um, but it's a shockingly low number. Um, but this is this is where we are. You know, I, I think you mentioned Florentino Luis, and I think that is taking care of the segue for me. Um, it's a you know a big name. It's a big, big asking price. I think we've seen various reports um, talk about, you know, a fee in excess of £80 million. Some have suggested a release clause um, beyond £100 million. It's not particularly clear. Um, obviously, you know, we, we, we've dealt with Benfica before and it's possible we could negotiate under the release clause. We should rule that out. Um, but that, that's, that's a big, big asking price. And I think plenty of journalists have come out and said, you know, Liverpool do like the player, it's an option you can think Liverpool could conceivably go for if they are looking for a carbon copy, like-for-like replacement of Fabinho, that lighthouse that you mentioned, Steve. Um, interestingly, we did speak to Neil Jones uh, about Florentino Luis and Liverpool's uh, chances of signing him potentially this summer, which you can listen to with this lovely little insert courtesy of EOTK Insider on our substack right here. I mean, they've definitely looked at him in the past. Florentino Luis. I mean, he, he's someone who's had a, a bit of a, a bit of an odd career. I mean, he's, he's been at Benfica for, for many years, but he's been out on loan. He went to Monaco, he went to Getafe in Spain. And he's only really sort of started to establish himself with Benfica, you know, in the last, last year or two. And last season in particular, I think he took huge strides forward. And, you know, he was, I, I spoke to people who, who, who know him well and who know it, you know, the, the Benfica system. And they said he, he really became the sort of, a real linchpin, and obviously Enzo Fernandez was was alongside him in the first half of the season. He went on and earned a, a huge move to Chelsea, but there was a, a a lot of people said, you know, he he wouldn't have looked as good Enzo Fernandez without without having someone alongside him like 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 Florentino. Who from I mean, from what I've seen of him and what I what I know, and you know, you do your, your sort of your research. Defensive work is it, just it's, it's huge. You know, he, he gets through numbers of, of interceptions, tackles. You know. Breaking up play, winning possession—you know—it's scary. I think he was right up with with the, the best in Europe in, in in the Champions League and in in the top five leagues. So, you know, you talk style-wise. If you were looking at a Fabinho replacement and you wanted a Fabinho, the size of him, the type of player he is, the position he plays, like you say, um, Xiao Chalao, 
who I spoke to for a piece. Um, I think it was ahead of the Benfica played Leipzig, I think, in the... Was it Leipzig they played? In the Champions League? Uh, Salzburg, possibly? Um, One of he, the two Red Bulls. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I think it was Salzburg. And, and he... he um, he said to me, you know, yeah, you, you compare him to these these top midfielders. He said, I do think he has the ceiling to be one of these top defensive midfielders. The problem is, and there's a few problems, but Benfica sold Enzo Fernandez in, in January. They sold him for a, an incredible price. They don't tend to sell players on the cheap. Darwin Nunez is another example, obviously. So if you're talking about taking another linchpin of their team or another central pillar of their team, then you're going to have to pay the money. Whether Liverpool would pay... You know, eighty million pounds for someone like that. I don't know. Possibly, um, I haven't heard that they're sort of that they've pushed him to the front of the queue. There's, I think there's an awful lot of names um, on this list at the moment. And Liverpool, are, I wouldn't say they're throwing darts at the board, but I think they're trying to find the strategy. Really, I think I think you know at the moment there's there's potential that they could go in a couple of different directions. And you know, if you just look at the the sort of range of names that have been linked, I'm sure we're going to go on to talk about them. You can see that there's there's still a bit of uncertainty as to the type of player or the, the, the level of player that Liverpool are gonna gonna try and sign in the next few weeks. But I think if they were if they were to go down the route of a, a like for like with Fabinho, I think Florentino Luis would be A, someone they'd consider and B someone who would be ideal. And we're back with the main show. That was Neil Jones talking about Florentino Luis and the potential the potential like for like replacement for Fabinho. The thing is, gents, I'm not actually sure whether Liverpool are even looking for that. I think we obviously, you know, alluded to this earlier in the show when we were talking about whether, you know, the new formation, the two players leaving, whether this does represent an opportunity for Liverpool to do something maybe not quite radical, but a little bit different. Uh, and that leads me on, sort of nicely, onto Crystal Palace's Cheikh uh, Dukure, 23 years of age, um, reportedly valued in excess of 35 million. Pounds. The Athletic claim that Palace may use Romeo Lavia's valuation of £50 million pounds, um, as guidance in this matter, especially if a club like Liverpool come knocking. And you think, I mean, I mean, it's going to be obvious to anyone really at this point. You, you know, you know, if Liverpool are ringing you up, you know exactly what Liverpool are calling you for. Um, so I imagine that will also impact on the asking price. Uh, Liverpool liked him before he joined the Premier League whilst he was with Lens. Um, he's won Crystal Palace's Player of the Year award despite coming up against you know, reasonably serious competition. The likes of Ize, Marco Elise, Mark Gahey. Versatile can play the holding midfield role and even centre-back position. So it should be noted, I think he's only played centre-half uh, at least about 15 times in his professional career. Um, but, you know, we're talking about over 100 games of top-flight football, including Premier League experience. So Liverpool's recruitment team should have a reasonable idea of what they'd be getting from this player. Let's have a quick look at the stats, because these are quite interesting, actually. At 74th percentile for tackles, but 97th percentile for interceptions, and ranks fourth in the Premier League for average interceptions per game. Um, the impression, Liam, I get personally, he used to be perhaps slightly more rangy at lens, um, but, you know, we're talking, I think if you're looking at the Palace midfield, which, you know, is, no longer has a box-to-box midfield like Conor Gallagher, it seemed very much the case that a lot of the pressure was on him to sort of keep things ticking over and make things, you know, happen. And I do wonder whether he, if he's at Liverpool, whether he might really flourish there and really take his game to the next level, not just because the coach is there, but because there is going to be less pressure on him. You can kind of say to him, look, we appreciate what you used to do at Palace, you know, picking up the ball, driving it forward. 
but we just need you to be the specialist. We just need you to pop in with the interceptions, pop in with the blocks, win the ball back. You've got Alexis McAllister, you've got Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, Dominic Zavoslai. They can carry the ball up forward up the pitch for you. You just need to sit back, maybe in that double pivot with Trent coming up and supporting you and just sweep things up, you know, rather neatly. I, I think to a certain degree that might work. I mean, I brought up this passage from uh, Matt Woosnam's article for The Athletic from mid-January, and he said he's still breaking up play, getting involved and holding Palace's largely non-existent midfield together by the by the abreast of margins. Uh, but even with his undoubted quality, it is taking its toll. The lack of support from his teammates and the heavy attacking focus of the midfield is forcing him to do the work of multiple players. As a result, he accumulated a lot of bookings last, terms, uh, last term for late tackles. Um, but I don't think he struggles with that as much at Liverpool. I don't think it's going to be all on his shoulders at Liverpool, um, which I think could be very exciting. And especially if you're looking at the price tag, the age profile of the player, um, this feels, dare I say it, very much like a, a very Liverpool-esque deal. Yeah, um, I think that, that's a, a fair shout, Farrell. As he made quite a few good points there. Uh, unfortunately, his age, 23 um, still has a lot of his career ahead of him should be coming into his peak years imagine maybe in the next couple of years or so uh, potentially could be with us for the best part of a decade all going well um, we were talking about maybe 35 maybe up maybe that could go up to 50 or so for the fee um, but again you're, you have to evaluate that against what, you're, what you could possibly be getting as you rightly say Palace's player of the season um, despite there have been several good performers at, at Sellers Park and I think what's most impressive is that last year he took so effortlessly to the Premier League because, as we know, it's a division which has you know, challenges unlike suppose, any other top flight in Europe. We've seen some very good players on the continent come and like struggle to adapt to the Premier League, um, whereas the Corey, as they just made it look so effortless. And, and as I say, it just seems like someone who would quite happily adapts to any role he's given within 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 the side. Like we've seen how good his, his interception stats are. Um and he's well, he has had that season in, in England. You know, anytime I watched him play last season, he was one who stood out to me. I happen to know some Crystal Palace supporters quite well who are also big admirers of his and you know, would have, have talked him up on occasion. So and I should say we we have been down a similar road before in terms of targeting players from like that that sort of mid mid table bracket like Crystal Palace are in. You think of when we signed Andy Robertson from Hull, Gina Wijnaldum from Newcastle when they were you know, not not the force they are now. Even even Southampton, they were on the ascent under under Pochettino at the time, but getting the likes of Adam Lana in, um, you know, rather than looking to raid, they would say the so called top clubs of Europe that we have gone for that profile of player and that in, in a few instances it has worked out ex- extremely well so and um, yeah definitely a few reasons why why Decore is emerging as, as quite a viable target I'm, I'm curious where you fall on this side of, of the debate Steve because I think the, the obvious point here will be well you're bringing in a 23 year old there's only a four year gap then between him and Stefan Bichetic some might argue that that's you know it's a pretty reasonable gap there. You've got two players that can you know grow almost together, but not in a similar sort of situation as of Romeo Lavia and Stefan Bacetic, where you're kind of thinking, well, one player is really going to win out of this, and another perhaps isn't. 
Um, would you lean more on the side of bringing in your experience, 27, 28, 29, holding midfielder? You know, we, we've seen plenty of other names linked. Bizarrely, actually, we've seen a lot of links to Bayern Munich <laughs> midfielders once again. You know, Leon Goretzka, Joshua Kivic. Um where, where do you fall on this? Do, do you think there would be a benefit, perhaps, in, in going for the more sort of Liverpool-esque signings of your, or, or is it the case of we back Bichetic here, we back him to be an elite talent, bring in someone who can hold the fort down for at least another two, three years until we can look at him and go, well, you've got the legs to withstand the full season, you know, you've got the experience, so we can trust you to throw you into these big games, presumably, hopefully, when Liverpool back in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, if it boils down to bring in Joshua Kimmich or don't bring in Joshua Kimmich, of course, you know, what a sound, <laughs> sound that would be. Um, but no, if, if we talk about the players that are, you know, arguably a bit more realistic than that right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, Jurgen Klopp said this before several times in press conferences. It, it comes down to what deals are possible. If, you know, if Crystal Palace come out and demand a ridiculous amount of money for Decore, which, to be fair, wouldn't be ridiculous being their player of the season, being a new signing, being a phenomenal footballer at a great age as well. They can obviously demand whatever they like. Um, but if it's deemed just way too high for Liverpool, then I think you know the club might either look at him and go, right, is he going to be the next Fabinho for us uh, or Henderson? Um, or is this player going to be that bit part player, like you say, in between uh, Bichetic's development? Um, I don't think Liverpool would put all their eggs in one basket and say, "Okay, let's bring in you know another Thiago-esque type player, you know, someone who's you know thirty odd, bring him in, and then stick him in a defensive position for two years, and then right, okay, Bichetic, it's your turn now because you don't know what's going to happen over the next two years." But fingers crossed, he continues to develop into the player that he looks like he's becoming. I think the way I'd lean to it is have a little look at the market, see who's available. Uh, Decore probably, you know, isn't that, you know, player that's going to plug up the gap for two, three years. That's more maybe along the lines of I mentioned him before, um, Fulham midfielder uh, Palina. Uh, I think he's, uh, you know, a real good example. I think he's similar. Uh, to Decore in some aspects, he's got that sort of Premier League proven, coming from you know as 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 Liam touched upon that sort of taken from the lower teams in the Premier League with all due respect, but that is something that Liverpool have done in a while. They uh, take from teams beneath them, which is what all big clubs te- seem to do in some degree or another. Um, I think it's it's probably more that, or you just go completely all out for Gravenberch, Florentino Luis someone like that. Um, it, it just depends what the market's like and the market for defensive midfielders at the minute is crazy. You are paying a lot more than what the player's worth. So if there's a little little deal that we can do, if we can snap up somebody who'll just do the job, I'm sort of thinking Liverpool might do that for X amount of million. Um, but, you know, it, it remains to be seen. If it were me... I would go down the Gravenberch, Florentino Luis route, bring in that player who looks like they're going to become the next superstar. And then you also allow Bacetic to develop alongside them because Jürgen Klopp and, you know, just generally all top teams anyway, they don't have a rigid 11 players. So Bacetic could still uh, develop alongside uh, someone like Gravenberch. 
Would you hold a similar position there, Liam? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tie this in with you know potential solutions that we could look for here because if we're saying potentially, and especially now with the Jordan Anderson news, it, it looks like that this story really could develop to an endpoint that suits Al Etifahi uh, very soon, maybe within a week or so. And then you're, you're Liverpool and you're saying you have potentially 100, 120, maybe more. We don't know, obviously, because of the amount of players that have let go. You've got to consider not just the money you've brought in, but also the wages that you've freed up. And those will be significant wages. We are talking top earners in Fabinho, in Jordan Henderson, never mind the likes of Naby Keita, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, James Milman, so on and so forth. That gives Liverpool some flexibility in the market. Not total flexibility, as some other clubs like Manchester City might enjoy, um, but some flexibility to manoeuvre in the market. So the question is, really, how do Liverpool go about this? Because in my mind, I'd be thinking, well, you know, the, the midfield is the priority here, but we've run a serious risk of leaving us with ourselves with almost too much to do with the back line come, you know, next summer, maybe even as soon as January. We're, we're talking... We've got three rights of centre-backs that are extremely injury-prone. You look at Van Dijk's age, you know. I, I, I think this could become a serious issue for Liverpool. So Liverpool could go and go, right, we're going to bring in two quality midfielders. Maybe, you know, you can balance it whichever way you want and say, you know, like Steve said, to bring, spend big on a Florentino Luis, maybe bring in another midfielder who's, who's less experienced, young, but, you know, high-talent ceiling. Um, you, you could try and balance all the money all together and try and bring in all three. You could just say, well, bring in one quality midfielder and go big on a centre-half like Levi Colwell at Chelsea will probably set you back in well in excess of 50, 60 million pounds. That's a player they don't want to lose, they want to keep him. Um, how, how, how do we approach this? You know, again, we, we've got the options there, of course, that, that tick both boxes you mentioned too. Kirk Miners, Leon Goretzka, Manu Kone, um, He's looking incredibly, incredibly unlikely. But, you know, Joshua Kimmich, I, I struggle to see how Bayern Munich let him go for one and Liverpool are in for him, but there you go. These are the options Liverpool have to deal with. We've not even discussed really in any depth. Um, Romeo Lavia, of course, 19 years of age, extremely highly rated prodigy, but wanted potentially for £50 million. If not, Manchester City have their buyback clause of £40 million next year. The options are limited, but almost endless. That makes sense. How, how would you approach the situation? I think you make a good point in saying that amidst all the sort panic over Fabinho and Henderson possibly going, that maybe the you know, the defense has been lost sight of a, a little bit. Like, I mean, if we were having this conversation even eight or nine days ago, I think a lot of fans would have been saying, "Okay, let's focus. We've got two midfielders in. Let's focus on getting." A centre half through the door, and if you know, the opportunity allows, maybe one more midfielder after that. Um, I suppose for me, I think the ideal scenario would be to like, definitely get one midfielder in. Um, like my preference out of all the options that have come up over the last few days is Florentino Luis, um, just because he's been described by um, like an O'Neill Jones has said, has hinted that he's almost like kind of a plug and play replacement for Fabinho, very stylistically similar, and uh, so someone that could adapt to the system straight away. I mean, he's proven himself in the Champions League. He started all of Benfica's matches as they got to the quarterfinals last season. Um, the, the very pro- prohibitive release clause, but as you alluded to earlier, there's a chance that possibly we could negotiate that down a little bit and get him for you know, not too much of a king's ransom. Um, and yeah, there should be 
ideally if money left over as well to get in you know, that that sort of central defender ideally like a left footed central defender and uh, that's something we don't have in the in the current squad and um, of course we could also bank maybe an extra 10 million or thereabouts if nat phillips is sold to leeds as has looked in, increasingly likely over recent days Colwell is someone I would have loved for a number of reasons. I mean, we've seen with Brighton last season and we saw in the on 21 yards of England just how good a player he is. Um, he would have filled that left-footed niche um, and he also would have been very valuable towards contribution to the homegrown quota in giving us that bit, bit more leeway in terms of filling like, a slot for an English player and you know, for another season or two, a slot as an under-21 player who wouldn't even have to be counted towards the, the main squad as such. Um, but as unfortunately, Wesley, Wesley from Fana picked up another serious injury, uh, ACL problem. So I think if whatever prospect if we might have had of persuading Chelsea to sell has probably gone out the window with that. Um, though obviously, again, I would stress that the main thing there is that we hope Fafana does make a full and, and speedy recovery. Um, it's just the knock-on effect of that is that Colwell now probably does look virtually unattainable. So, yeah, I would say ideally you're looking at like, yeah, I've seen O'Harman going big on one midfielder, and the idea in having some left, having money left over for for another centre half to come in. I think this is almost the problem here, Steve, because I think you you look at sort of the situation with Fabinho and Henderson leaving and you almost think, well, we, we can't really focus on centre-backs. We, we know the need is there, we know the need is evident, but if you, because of this sort of extraordinary nature of the circumstances, uh, you could almost understand Liverpool going, well, listen, we have to address just this one department here, hopefully roll the dice and hopefully we don't have a situation where you're looking at Canate being out for half the season again. I think he only registered 18 league appearances last term. Hopefully, you know, we don't have any issues. We get Virgil van Dijk returning to a form, especially if you bring in, you know, you spend big money on a superb holding midfielder, like I say, Florentino Luis, as you championed. Um, you brought in well elsewhere. You've got McAllister, you've got Sabozlai. Um, you've still got players like Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott who deserve a mention. Uh, Thiago is still on your books. I think, you know, almost if you're looking at that sort of right central midfield midfield role on the variation being probably the boss line Harvey Elliott's mainly and you're saying that's a that's okay you could you know technically argue the same sort of then for the holding midfield role with an a quality or an experienced holding midfielder alongside Stefan Bichetic. Um do you think it's the case that Liverpool just simply have to have to appreciate that the midfield is a more of a serious conundrum to solve even if we also say well we probably should if we could, we would sign another centre-half. But that's just, we just can't look at it now. Or do you think if Liverpool do end up doing this and end up maybe getting two central midfielders and they're going really big on one central midfielder and as a result not being able to get a centre-half that they'd like, would Liverpool be sleeping on that issue, do you think? Or, or is it just merely a casualty of the times? I, th- I think, I think, yeah. You know, if I mean, even as I said before, if before Henderson and Fabinho potentially leave the club, Liverpool knew they needed another midfielder. You know, the target going into the summer was always to pick up three new midfielders. We've got two, uh, so we need another one, especially if Henderson and Fabinho go, and and that will be the the priority. But you know, the thing is, Liverpool can work on several deals at once, uh, and you know that. 
that left-sided centre-back role has been something that has obviously been thought of at Anfield. So it wouldn't surprise me if there are already things going on behind the scenes. And then it's a case of just make a bit of a balancing act, like spinning plates, uh, making sure that you know the, these deals can sort of uh, live in tandem, and then you sort of see what's possible. And you know, it, it's quite easy to forget, you know, the, the money being touted round for players that we, you know we could sell. Uh, Fabinho, um, forty million pounds. You know, that's nothing to be sniffed at. That alone could probably get, get you that left-sided centre half that we're talking about. Uh, and then you know, you just continue with the. Whatever midfield plans you have, maybe with a bit more of an a bit more of a thought, like this player is gonna need to be in that six role a bit more often than we would have liked. So instead of going for, as Liam pointed out, you know, a phenomenal footballer, Coop Miners. Let's imagine Coop Miners was the number one target. They might go right. Okay, so we need to go for someone a bit more defensive. Maybe we'll go for Amrabat because we've already been talking about Amrabat and it's a possible deal. You know, Liverpool has got probably several fingers in several pies. So I'm not too worried. Uh, I think as fans, sometimes we can obsess with one player and one position, but, you know, Liverpool's, um, you know, team behind the scenes are going to be working on several at one time. So, you know, I'm not too concerned about that, but just to answer the question there of, of, you know, what should the priority be? Yes, defensive midfield should be the priority because if you look at our strongest eleven. That's the only question mark if both of those players go. You're thinking to yourself, who's going to be in there now? You can't rely on everyone being fit all the time, which is why we you know, need defensive reinforcements as well because the likes of Gomez and Matip have shown that you know they've got a good, a good few injuries in them per year, unfortunately. But yeah, defensive midfield needs to be that priority and I think it is and you know like Liam even uh, like Liam suggested then even the likes of Nat Phillips you know could be on the way out for X amount of money these things all add up and they could add that extra little bit that we need just to push a certain deal through you know Florentino Luis as, as we've mentioned we've, we've talked about him a fair bit uh, he would cost a pretty penny but getting the extra five ten million pounds for you know, with all due respect to certain players, Deadwood, and I'm, I'm talking about the likes of, you know, Nat Phillips here. Um, no disrespect, but, you know, I'm just sort of the, the grand scheme of the squad. If we were to offload players like him, bring in these £10 million, uh, £15 million, whatever, you know, comes in from them, um, these can add to other deals uh, that might, you know, be going on behind the scenes, you know. Um, yeah, I think... The holding midfield is the position, but Liverpool will be looking surely at several deals to be completed at the minute, uh, not just the one-in, one-out. Just the easy first summer transfer window for uh, Jörg Smatka and his <laughs> recruitment team. Yes, just a simple task of replacing Jordan Henderson and Fabinho, and it very much looks now the case following Fabrizio Romano's update that Jordan Henderson will follow Fabinho out of the door in joining the Saudi Pro League on a lucrative new contract. Um, that leaves Liverpool with a lot to do, really. But, you know, I, I think it's not all doom and gloom here. There's an opportunity here. There's potential. Um, this is very much a new era at Liverpool. We can still be excited, I think, if, you know, also a, a little bit worried about what... What are our options? What we can feasibly go for in the current market? It's not really the market for a holding midfielder, but you, you still bank on Liverpool and their recruitment team to find the best option out there, or at least someone that can keep you at a competitive level, get you back in Champions League, keep you competing with the big boys, and hopefully move on from 
there. Well, this has been the Empire of the Cock podcast. I've been your host, Farrell Keeling. This has also been Liam Toho of Empire. We've had Flash Scoreman, Steve Carson, Steve, while you're here. Um, anything you'd like to chat about? Any, any ongoings at Flash School that you'd like to people to be uh, kept aware of? Um, well, I mean, you know, Empire's uh, followers are, you know, mainly Liverpool fans. There's a few Man City fans in there that sometimes like to react to things I've seen. But, you know, it's it's a wildly football Liverpool audience. So I'm just going to say, if you're interested in the tennis or the cricket, come over to Flashco. We'll keep you sorted out there. But for, uh, we do the odd little bit of Liverpool news here and there, but not quite as dedicated as Empire of the Cup. Uh, so, yeah, you know, if, you, if you're looking for... A little bit of uh, a little bit of content on that. We'll sort you out. Oh, can't go wrong with the tennis either. Variety is indeed the spice of life. But here, of course, as Steve Wright mentioned, we are uber, uber Liverpool focused and we'll be keeping a very close eye on ongoings in the transfer market. If you've been watching this on YouTube, be sure to give us a like, a comment, a subscribe. And this, is, of course, will be available on Substack for those more audio inclined. Be sure to share us your thoughts there and subscribe to the weekly column. Um, you can also see all the ongoings around Utica Insider with Neil Jones, who'll be talking to us on a weekly basis about everything Liverpool. See, I did tell you, we are uber Liverpool-focused. Uh, and this has been the Empire of the Cop podcast. Thanks for watching. Take care.